to Outwit, Outplay, Outpod, the podcast where fire takes represent your life. I'm Isaac. I'm Kayla. And we're here to talk about the finale of Survivor Season 45, Living the Survivor Dream. Kayla, the tribe has spoken, but we have not. What is your fire take from this week's episode? Fire take for this week's episode is actually a fire take for future content, which is Kendra absolutely needs her own miniseries where ahead of every season and after every season she like talks about the different energies she pulls the horoscopes of all the upcoming cast members um does their entire birth charge foresees alliances and compatibilities like they need to put kendra on the roster as their um survivor content creator she would be amazing sold jeff had a lot of fun asking her about astrology and dnos and it was a great bit it was great it was great my fire take from the finale is that my favorite arc from this extra long episode is jake's i thought he had one of the best roller coaster up and down actually i say roller coaster i guess those require up and downs he just had downs but he still had his redemption at fire and i think that he was like a dark horse for one of my favorite characters from this season and he really sort of made a late run in the popularity contest. I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe he gets some Sia money. Who knows? But did the lawyers really need it? I don't know. Sia, that's in your hands. But coming up on this special episode of the pod where we're going to break down this finale, we're also going to gavel in another edition of Mock Tribal and with our favorite segment, Survivors on the Move. Kayla, there's going to be so much, so many moves, so much to unpack from this extra great finale of season 45. We couldn't disguise our feelings in the instant take, but I think we were both fans of this episode. Am I right? You are right. This was a wonderful end to the best season of the new era. Wow, hot take. All right, let's dive into the recap. So we're going to do this in four parts today for this extra long episode. Part one, we open on Jeff boldly striding through tribal council, setting some thematic stakes for the episode, which he describes as the ability to separate personal relationships from the strategic game. At the finalist New Beach, Dee apologizes to Austin for keeping him in the dark about the Drew blind side, and Austin is pretty quick to forgive. He says he probably would have played his amulet if she'd tipped him off. Katura, Jake, and Julie get to see the showmance in full daylight, and Katura, for her part, is disgusted that they let a pair make it this far. The next morning, the castaways compete. They race to count piles of crabs, coconuts, and bamboo to solve a combination lock. Jake takes a slow and steady approach and ends up pulling out the win using a mnemonic device, very unnecessary mnemonic device, based on who won the corresponding season of Survivor, earning himself an advantage in the immunity challenge. In an epic immunity challenge, Jake ends up giving back his advantage lead after leaving a key behind, and then on the last leg of the puzzle, he loses sight of a crucial piece that the camera keeps brutally panning to. That opens up Austin to seize the victory, earning himself immunity. He brings Jake along to the sanctuary for a reward of steak and potatoes. Kayla, what do you think about the opening of the finale here? Um, This just made me think, why do you think Austin took Jake? Like, I know he says it's strategic so that, like, someone's back at camp and da-da-da-da. But it's so late in the game at this point. I'm surprised he didn't just take D and really just start playing in people's faces because there's nothing anyone could really do at this point. <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, I, I I wrote in my notes that I thought this was a really good call. Again, I think it's the same philosophy he, he articulated before about who you leave at camp. I think Julie, Katura, and Jake is the most dangerous three to leave together. It's out in the open at this point that D and him are at a showmance. It makes all the sense in the world for those three to band together and pick off one of them. In this case, it would be D because Austin is safe with the immunity necklace. So I think he made the exact right call and it sort of, you know, proved him as a very savvy strategic player. Um, I think that picking D, oh my gosh, they would have isolated themselves even more. I honestly don't even think it would have mattered, but you're right. You're correct. Um, Okay. I have another question for you with all your survivor knowledge. Why do they go to a new beach? What is the point? Yeah, I know. (laughs) And this is like the survivor in the new era has done this where they've made the game harder from a survival standpoint 
But they also never weave that into the story. The fact that they were on a new beach never was spoken about or factored in. No one talked about being uncomfortable in terms of their sleep or without a shelter or not having the infrastructure they've helped to build on the Reba camp for all these weeks. So I I think it's in the spirit of you have to earn everything in the new survivor and it's like the final push to the end. But I think if they're going to make those choices, it's strange to not deliver in the storytelling on what the consequences are for the people on the island. What do you make of it? Yeah, I want more B-roll of, well, number one, if I'm applying to Survivor, I'm applying for the um, odd number seasons because it rains so heavily in the even numbered season. Oh my gosh. And it won't rain at all, like in the odd number seasons. And I want more B-roll of in the shelters. It's raining for multiple days at a time. I just have this um, image in my mind of like Parvati and whatever the grave digger's name was. I forget. James. <laughs> like hu- James huddled in a cave. It's pouring rain. It's like the final days. And they're just like, wow, if I can just thug it out in this cave for a few days and I could maybe have a million dollars and I want more b-roll of that like I don't know if your shelter is good or bad or if you bothered making it at all like we see a little bit in the background but I don't know about the impacts it's having on you or your psyche and I want more of that if we're going to do this whole we're going to a new beach thing you're right which is like in my mind because we're so advantage and idol heavy all that signals to me is that there should be maybe a new idol on that new beach, but that's not true. Like, I know that's not true, but yeah. that's what I feel should happen. Totally. It does feel like some new element should come into play if they're going to do this big move to a new beach. They did do this mini challenge on the beach, but that could have just as easily been set up at Reba. And I will say, I do like the mini challenges. I think they really dipped their toe in the water this season. I think maybe we got two or three where it was just like a take an at-home challenge, basically. And... Starting with it creates a lot of momentum. I always think it's funny when they read the instructions and they're like, should we start? Should we start? And then they're just like, we should start. We should, should we start run now? <laughs> yeah. And then they just go. And, and so I, I'm a big fan of that. I think they're good for the momentum of the episode, especially when we've cut back on reward challenges significantly. It helps you. You sort of have like one and a half challenges in an episode instead of just one. So I was a fan of that. But Kayla, you wanted to talk a little bit about Dee's apology and, you know, if you were in Austin's shoes, are you going to be as cool a customer as Austin was saying, no worries, babe, it's fine? I just think this is part of you remembering you're on TV. Like, But also, I don't know, because Survivor, because of the hunger element, I do feel brings out a certain rawness. But is this one of the moments where you're like, I'm on TV let me not act out right now because it will be embarrassing when I'm no longer on TV. Like, do you think that's what he was thinking? Or do you think he really doesn't care? Cause me, I'd be sick. I'd be like, you literally took out my number one ally without discussing it with me after I saved your, well, I guess he doesn't know. I guess he doesn't know that Dee told Julie, but I also think that's insane that he thinks that Julie randomly played her idol. <laughs> after he told D. I'm like, are you delusional? <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I don't think that Austin is reverse engineering from like, how is the audience going to perceive me? He just doesn't seem like that kind of character. I think he really is kind of like just, you know, chill surfer guy. That's kind of what he's giving. And so I think that, you know, I would not be as cool with it, but I do think it is in your strategic interest to pretend to be cool with it. I was kind of wondering if he was going to say that to D and then we we're going to get a confessional and say of him saying, I'm so mad and so frustrated, but it's not We're in my not interest cool. in the game. To, right, yeah, but he's like, I need D right now, so I'm not going to, you know. So that would have been kind of baller if he was like kind of, but I actually think he was just being sincere and genuine, which, ugh, so boring. Ah. I, it. <laughs> I also kind of wanted to di- diagnose here. So when Ju- when um, Austin and D go off on the beach the night after Tribal and Katura, Jake, and Julie are sort of sitting there and they're like, ugh, like, there's a pair. There's a pair. Like, how did we get here? Um, and Austin's like, do you want to go back to camp? And Dee's like, no, I want to stay a little longer. I, one, I thought that was kind of cute. But two, like, how did the power couple make it this far? It's it's usually a central dynamic in any show where it appears there's even a whiff of showmance is like, how do we break up this couple? And yet it feels like they kind of made it to the finale before people took that notion seriously. How did that happen? I think they were insulated by the larger Reba four. I think it's harder to discern 
because they both had number one allies. And I talked about this a little in our hot take where they kept saying I had two number ones, which was really irritating me as I was watching the show. Cause I was like, that's literally not what two number ones mean. I think I even talked about it on this podcast. I've been going back and forth about how true that can be and what that means. You're like I numbers. Because... Like it doesn't make sense. There has yeah. To be I was like, the math literally doesn't matter. You have to have a first and a second. Like people who say I don't have like one best friend. That's a lie. That was best friend can be in rotation, but there's always a number oh. one. Um, and so <laughs> <laughs> I think having those phantom number ones disguised like how tight their connection was and it could have just been like us kind of like a side plot where it's like oh there's three before but the real strategic alliances that we need to be worried about are these two and these two and this is just like fun and games because we're all on the island together and it's like a little summer camp romance and not a threat to be considered yeah and in the after show everyone is when jeff asked it everyone like was that were you was everyone aware of this Everyone raises their hand that they knew it all. Yeah, along. I was like, "Don't they, lie! You're literally and they, lying." <laughs> I and D, I feel like was like, "Y'all are crazy." No, you didn't. And I kind of agree with her because no one talked about it during the game, and producers are going to put that in the show because it's interesting content if they did talk about it. And also, like the gleeful way in which everyone took pride in spotting the relationship, I'm like, "Egg on your face! You let a power couple go to the final three. That's embarrassing. That's like a marketing right. It's embarrassing to have your hand up right now. Put your hand down. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Quite right." All right, part two of the recap. So back at camp after the challenge, Katura tries to sway Julie to vote D, but Julie is digging her heels into the ground. She insists on sticking with voting Jake. Meanwhile, Jake reveals to Austin that he found the immunity idol and pitches voting Julie. Austin, of course, quickly informs his number one ally D. Jake then chooses on his own to tell Katura about the idol and Katura successfully pitches Jake on shifting away from Julie and instead voting out D. She encourages him then to swear on something he really cares about, that he's going to follow through on his plan. So Jake swears on Nana that he's going to do it. Austin wrestles with possibly voting for Julie, but D says she absolutely won't join him no matter what, she, what he decides. At Tribal Council, the castaways chat about their close relationships and at the voting booth, we hear Katura explain her vote, but we don't see what she's written down. She says she changed her mind at the last minute. Jake then plays his idol for Katura. The votes are read, and Julie is sent home with two votes. Jake is immediately mad at Katura. You made me swear on Nana, he tells her. And on her way out, Julie whispers to Katura, go to law school, go to law school. Back at camp, Jake remains angry, and Katura explains that she just didn't trust Jake and that he should have told her ahead of time that he's play that he'd play his idol for her. Still, Katura is kicking herself. She wanted D gone, and now she's in the final four with the power couple. All right, Kayla, I vote that we just go straight into mock tribal here. Oh. Um, so let's gavel in another edition. If you don't already know, mock tribal is when your typically agreeable hosts spit fire and spare no feelings as we disagree on a survivor subject of some controversy. Kayla, what's on the docket this week? Did Katura screw up? Yeah, and I know There's where you stand on this. Here. Yeah, I know where you stand on this, so I'm going to take I'm going to take the perspective that um Katura screwed up, but Jake should share a lot of the blame. And here's the thing, when you're trying to pull off a big move, you got to make sure that whoever's your ride or die for this vote is feeling secure. And earning their trust and confidence is one of the most crucial things to pulling off that move. Jake doesn't, Jake shows her an idol. And in a situation in which you only have five people, Katura's assumption, as everyone's is, is that Jake's going to play that for him. It's his last chance to do so. And so that means that Austin and Jake are both safe. So you're one of three now. And when you're one of three, you're going to get the heebie-jeebies. You're going to get nervous. The light at the end of the tunnel of making it to the Survivor finale is so darn close that Jake's explanation that he just wanted her authentic reaction to being saved in order to win some jury credit, I think that's a little thin. I think that's a little thin. So Jake should have made sure that Katura was all set, buttoned up, 
feeling good. He didn't do that. And for that reason, I think Jake deserves a little bit of the blame that she should share with Katura. But Kayla, feel free to take the opposite side, as I know you will. Oh, my God. This was devastating <laughs> to yeah. watch. Like, someone who uh, really scrambled. Not scrambled, but I think Atura really did some snaking to make her way to this this um this round of jury votes and she was so close had a goal knew she wanted d saw the power couple knew d would like effectively break it off she said it best she broke down she was like i acted out of fear i basically lost my mind like in this moment and i have no one to blame for myself and i'm unfortunately i'm like yeah katara you're right like even if you thought you were going home I have no idea how switching your vote from like D to Julie would have. I guess you thought Austin and D like maybe were gonna go and vote Julie, but you're really playing off of nothing because what you do know is that Jake has been the easy vote for like a million rounds and has absolutely no like credibility with them so assume he's not going to be in alliance with them (laughs) like that's just never happened before so go with what you know yeah and I think she needed to take the risk in order to build she needed to build her resume and the only way to do that at this stage of the game was to play a part in taking out the obvious threats um and so even if she felt it was a risk even if you make it like you still knew you'd probably have to be going to fire unless you won an immunity challenge you've not yet won an immunity challenge okay great so that means that someone is going to have to take me who is most likely to take me the bottom of that list is d so no matter what (laughs) you should know that your best option is to vote out d because she is least likely to take you to final three and you're not winning that immunity challenge so this just like yeah. didn't make any sense but I did think it was interesting because this whole time I feel like the producers and I felt myself wanting this a little like a last minute Bellow alliance like Katura, Jake I don't think they were ever in alliance I'm not even sure she likes him that much like something about yeah. him really gives her the weird and yeah. they've never been in alliance even though the producers have made us like by default, we think the viewers that they are in alliance, but they are not. Yeah, yeah. And that's what the other thing I'll say about this tribal is the sleeper bad move of this tribal is Julie. <laughs> Julie just votes for Jake. Like oh my she God. has no like she knows that Jake has an idol, and she just like sort of writes his name on a parchment and hopes. She knows that no one else is voting for Jake. No one else. And the only thing to do in this situation is make sure that someone has equal to or more votes than you. And yet she votes for the one person who she like knows, knows, knows no one else is voting for. I I know that for reasons that boggle my mind, she's not going to vote for D. I mean, I think it's absolutely just stunningly crazy to not vote for D in this situation. (laughs) But she could she could have put a vote on on Katura and obviously would have been invalidated, but she didn't know that. But like it just, there's no explanation. It was the only vote you could cast that you could know with the information you had prior to the vote was meaningless. So Julie, like warm human being. I really like her, her strategic gameplay worst, like worst of the season. Like she, she rode Reba to the end and she just wasn't willing. Even when they blindsided her, even when she had to play an idol, to protect her from being blindsided, she still wouldn't let go of her. And then Austin got up there and was like, yeah, I tried to vote her out three times. (laughs) I know. It it just, yeah, it just, it really makes me feel that her focus was the adventure, which I respect, but like, it did not seem like she was reverse engineering a plan to win the game. And it's a bit of a shame when you get down to such low numbers and it feels that there's someone who just like, wasn't really there with their head in the game. Can we talk about her side bang for a minute? When she came back on the jury with the the baying, <laughs> did you know? You can definitely that? talk about it. No, not at all. <laughs> Julie, I was so used to her seeing with her hair back, and then 
she returned, which I don't know where Julie was is actually from, but she was giving very much game day at Clemson University in her like little like <laughs> yes. kitten heels. And I was like, Julie, <laughs> you are in Fiji. Why was this your outfit of choice? Um, but she looked very cute, and I'm so happy she's back in her element with her blow dryer. It was just like, <laughs> well done. <laughs> there you go, Julie. Part three of the recap here. So at the immunity challenge, the castaways have to stack 17 little pots with a long claw-like implement while navigating a rope ladder that shakes the whole contraption. After Austin loses an early lead, Dee and Jake are well clear of the field. Then we get a bit of a weird moment. Jake loses his stack and then tramples the challenge in apparent frustration. Jeff gives him a warning and then disqualifies him on the spot. And D goes on to pull out the victory by a really, really big margin. Jake very abashedly tells Jeff star- sorry on his way out. Back at camp, D makes it clear she'll bring Austin to final three, even though that's against his wishes because he wants to go to fire. But that's going to leave Katura and Jake to practice their fire making. At Tribal, Katura and Jake square off, and Jake wins handily. Jake tells Katura that she'll be an amazing lawyer one day and then gives an emotional speech about this being one of the best moments of his life. This is the culmination of Jake's redemptive arc this episode. Katura then reveals to everyone she is a lawyer and she voices her gratitude for this journey until Jeff, of course, snuffs her torch. Kayla, Katura's departure, what'd you make of it? Very sad, like... I knew she wasn't going to be able to win in fire. They were trying to make it look like Jake wasn't good, but I'm like, um, he's been practicing fire allegedly for like 28 days. So pretty sure he'll have this one in the back. And she did not, she kept picking up the little fire nest and I feel like putting out her own flame. It was terrible. Aaron was like, Katora, please stop touching the fire. I beg. Um, but yeah, it was really sad. Katora will miss you. Like you are a great character. You have the love of the internet. I did a little poking around on X, formerly Twitter. It seems like she has a good a good tribe in her corner. I do want to talk about the production costs and Jake. Okay. Okay. So production costs. What's actually, let me turn it to you because yeah. I think you have a more positive look on Jake. And I yes. I, let's start there. Okay. Oh, okay. Um yeah, I think uh you know, Jake has a crazy ride this episode, obviously. He um, is, you know, he's he's not a part of the Drew Blind side. He, um, you know, he wins this mini challenge. And at that point, I was really wondering, oh, are we going to get like a late charge from Jake? Like, could this actually be a thing? Then he blows challenges because of like weird errors. In one case, he forgets a puzzle piece. In the other, he like is right there neck and neck with D and then loses it and then like, disqualifies himself by trampling the challenge in a fit of rage. Obviously the Katura move doesn't work out in, in part because of what I think most people regard as a very unforced error, error by Katura. He's very emotional this episode. He's crying. And yet, you know, he, all he wanted, like no one has ever needed a win more <laughs> than Jake going into more fire. Than Jake. Yeah. And he won and he had, all he wanted was something to sort of like hang his hat on. I do think I we'll get so there. I was so happy he won that fire. Yeah, he needed the win. And so it was like from, it was, I'll have to look back, but I don't know if there's been a more satisfying arc from someone who makes the final and gets no votes in a finale episode. Like it was very nuanced and emotional and a fun ride. And like Jake Rose, like Jake is probably in my top three favorite characters, uh, I would say from this season. Uh, in large part because of what happened this episode. And Kayla, you're giving me that face, but I got to say, I don't think I'm alone. I think the people were loving Jake's story this episode. I think it was huge. Who are the people? Who are the people? The people. Is it your family the group people. chat? Who are these people? No. <laughs> people. <laughs> Reddit. Reddit. Um, Reddit. <laughs> the folks on the internet. Um, ah, sigh. Lasai. Where to start? I think... 
I really enjoyed the times where Jake has been vulnerable about his stories. I said that in previous episodes. I thought it landed. I did feel like the past two episodes was just a stunning example of falling forward. Like, he has not made a good decision this whole time. And stunningly makes it to final three not even because somebody like brought him along like I wouldn't even consider him the goat where people were just like uh we're gonna ignore you and see where it goes and you're not we're not gonna put any votes on you you'll just come along like he was still getting votes all the way to the end it's just there was always someone a little more of a threat um, who made a bigger blunder who ended up going and he managed to like stumble his way to the end. And by the end, I was like a little annoyed. I was like, "Mm, you, you failed so many times. And I'm like, it's honestly getting a little sad and you're not very good. And like, you're, it's, it was sad to say, see the competitors being way better than him. Like, Okay, but, you're but not you're playing outside of your league. <laughs> here's my thing. The central dynamic of this season was the Reva Ford just running the show. And we at many at many junctures were like yelling at the TV saying, like, why is no one taking anyone out on Reva? Like, Jake failed every time, but he was seemed to be the only one throwing punches. And I kind of wish he had made that point a little bit better on the final tribal bench, because like, you know the storyline was playing out in real time and everyone could see it to the extent, not only was there a core four, but there was like a whole blown relationship within the core (laughs) four. And it seems like Jake was like the only person aware that they were all living in the matrix and they needed to wake up to the real threat. So I I think that, you know, there is a phenomenon where people are giving out A's for effort. Is that what we're Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's what I say. I know that. Okay. Look, look, like I think, he still deserves some credit for trying to engineer a big move at the final five. It's not his fault. It is totally Katura's fault that she didn't make a move in her own self-interest in order to further both of their games. So I think Jake deserves more credit than some of his blunders would suggest. I'm not saying he deserved to win it all. Obviously D was the rightful victor, but yeah, I think Jake, Jake did. Jake tried. Jake tried. That could be another title for this season. Jake tried. He he did try, tried and failed. Um, <laughs> but I will say, do you think Jack, Jeff was actually mad that he broke the challenge? I couldn't read Jeff. Yeah, that was interesting. I mean, in that situation, I think that's, you know, Jeff making a real-time decision, which he often does, and I'm, like, stunned by how well he handles these sort of live situations that I imagine he probably couldn't anticipate. I think Jeff did the right thing. He gave one warning and then benched him. Um, you could imagine a world in which they like stop the challenge to like fix it. Really glad they didn't do that. Like Jake was clearly acting out of frustration that shouldn't be rewarded. He shouldn't give another, another chance. I think that Jeff might be a little annoyed just because he's thinking about the TV product that's going to result from all this. And he's like, Oh, that kind of sucks. Like someone broke the challenge and therefore like, is there going to be sort of an asterisk next to this victory? Because are people going to accuse our challenge team of not having built something well or something like that? So if anything, he might have been acting out a little out of a little bit of anger because of the pride he takes in the product that they deliver, I guess. I agree. I also think there's like significant time and production costs to building these challenges. And yeah. when you get toward the end, we often see them being reused. And now I feel like for next season, they can't reuse this challenge. Oh, without no. Putting, like something there was like a screw back into it. They just got to screw a screw yeah. back in, I think. <laughs> uh, but it I do want to like... flimsy. I think he might have to retire this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do like that. To me, a great tagline for Jake's journey. He said... After, you know, at this stage in the game, he's like, I know I have a snowball's chance in hell, but this snowball keeps rolling. I wish I was the biggest snowball, but I'm not. I It like really summed up his journey. And to me, it was more of a sympathetic journey. It was not something I was mad at. Mad at. So props to you, Jake. I think you were a big part of making this finale the entertaining product that it was. All right, last leg of the recap here. So at camp, the final three, Jake, Austin, and Dee, celebrate the milestone with a feast on the beach. They reminisce on the departed castaways as we cut to each jury member talking about the finalists and the criteria for their decision. It includes a surprising amount of Jake hype. 
At Final Tribal, the jury keeps it pretty light and upbeat, and in my view, all three finalists had some good answers. A few highlights. Jake gives some emotionally charged answers about what the game means to him and overcoming his fear of failure. Austin cites his strategic acumen, the fact that no one ever voted for him, his idol finds, and his success navigating the tribe swap when the odds were against him. Dee focuses on the strong relationships she built, leading with her head and her heart, and reveals to Austin live that she did, in fact, spill the beans to Julie and tell her to play the idol, and what I view as probably the pivotal moment of Final Tribal. Jeff reads the vote. Jake earns zero. For a second, it even seems like we might get a tie, but Deeb ends up besting Austin five votes to three. Kayla, what'd you think? I, you know, every jury is different. I say that, but at the same time, I feel like new era journeys have been pretty similar. We've gotten a lot of kumbaya from these juries. There hasn't been a lot of action. And so I wish there had been a little bit more edge. Jeff like tries to encourage them every year. He's like, challenge them, make them earn it, make them grab the mantle and say, I'm the sole survivor. And They're then Kendra like, immediately so is like, to be here. <laughs> what did you learn? Like, how did you overcome your biggest fears? Like, please tell us in your own words. And everyone gets an A. And so that was my only complaint, I guess. I think it was great. I I think the way the votes have gone down for the past couple ones, it does make me think whether we should go back to having a final two. Because um, I feel like the third person just never... We've seen many a season now where the third person just gets no votes. And I'm kind of like, what's the point? We could just have a final two um, and have them duke it out toward the end like I kind of forget why we went back to final three do you remember we were at final two for a while I don't know that they explicitly just I think it actually is about I think they prefer get going from four to three than three to two when you do three to two it was just whoever won immunity decided who they got to sit next to and so I think they kind of like that four to three you do the fire making challenge they have an opportunity to like kind of earn their spot instead of it. Like literally it was just a unilateral decision. Jeff put the necklace for, on you for the final immunity challenge <laughs> and you just told him right there, like who you wanted to bring with you. And so it rewarded like a late challenge victory really heavily, maybe too heavily. I don't know. So and the other thing about three that I'll say, if this had been a tie, the third place person gets to break the tie. And that would have been pretty cool and another cool moment for Jake and like, you know, his loser role, but still having an impactful moment. So I was You're kind of rooting for that. You're so important, Jake. <laughs> yeah. I did hope it would have been a tie. Who did, who did you think, who do you think that he would have voted for? Any ideas between Austin, Austin and D? Austin. He was like cool with Austin. They were in like a pseudo alliance for a minute like they had multiple periods where they were like yeah I definitely want to go to the end with you and whether or not that was fully true he never had any of those moments with D yeah I think you're right yeah he was definitely closer to Austin than to D but the way in which Keturah convinced him to vote out D and identified her as the biggest threat I wonder if that was the moment where it kind of aligned for Jake that D is like most likely going to win Survivor so I'm not sure. I think it, I, honestly, I think it's a coin flip, which is why it would have been so interesting if he did have to, have to break I think thought. he didn't know. Like, really, when he was like, I yeah, thought Yeah, he said he didn't know. I don't, I don't think he had any idea and had not considered. Charming. Charming. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, and then, you know, in this new era of Survivor, as we always do, we go straight into the after show. Kayla, actually, I want to check in with you. Like, what do you make of the, you know, in this new era, I think for budgetary reasons, they just go straight into the post game as opposed to the live reunion shows they had in the past. What's your view on that change? Um, I want to go back to the live reunion only because we have a Survivor podcast and I want to get a media credential so that I could go to the live reunion. Um, <laughs> I also really enjoy seeing people in their natural like hair makeup and outfits <laughs> like that's really interesting to me so I think I like that but it's not gonna be make or break for me this is fine it's here for the vibes like the to me the pizza party after party is like getting to see people's relationships I like seeing Jeff popping bottles as I said yesterday like I like how everyone's in a silly goofy mood um, do I think the most interesting, this is not the like Bravo watch what happens live after show. Like it, 
No, Jeff yeah. isn't stirring the pot like Andy Cohen stirs the pot. In fact, let's get Andy Cohen to like, <laughs> give Jeff a few, yeah. a few tips because they're a little lame, but I like the vibes. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think they do as good a job as they can with this format, which I think is basically a concession. Like Jake, I mean, Jeff is trying to pitch the after show in this format as like being superior. He's like, when the emotions are still raw, I mean, you know, and he's like trying, but I don't think that this is anyone's preference. I think that one of the most interesting things about Survivor, the sort of meta interesting point is like, what is the impact to your life of having been on TV? (laughs) You know, like how do you grapple with sort of fan responses to you? I think like, for example, Bruce would have been a character where that would have been super interesting to hear how he was viewing the reactions, many of them probably negative to him and what growth journey, if at all, has he been on? And so, yeah, I think that this is far inferior to the live reunion show. But we did get some highlights here that I wouldn't mind sort of going through a little bit. So um, we have, you know, Austin talking about the moment with D, and Jeff asks him, like, are you bitter about D revealing to you in that moment that she actually gave the information to Julie? And I thought Austin, in just his sort of cool guy way, makes this observation, you know, it looks like girls are just better better at playing guys than the other way around. And I thought it was a savvy and correct observation that he played up. Yeah, astute, astute. A real student of gender politics is Austin. Um, So that was fun. And then Jeff, I love this. Jeff is like, how come Survivor is like the best show for creating relationships? Um, Which was fun because it's true. Even these reality shows that ostensibly are about like helping people find love. It's like almost every time like you learn that three months later they broke up. And Survivor kind of goes the distance. We'll see. We'll see if how far Austin and Dee get. I also love the network snark there. I'm like, yeah, come for ABC's next. Yes. Like, especially after the Golden Bachelor blunder. Um, which took like the Swedish show on television. And even we found that poor Jerry is a player. Um, So I love the little bit of snark there. Yeah, it was the right amount of petty. That was great. And then we get the nice moment where Dee describes that she wrote a letter to her parents before she came on Survivor and said, I'm going to come back a winner. And it's like, wow, like Dee had it. Dee had it in the bag. She killed it. This was her season to win and she won it. You know, got to give her props. Dee's mental toughness is incredible. Whenever she locks in, you can tell that she's just in a different world, like on a different plane than everybody else. It's very amazing. Did we ever get photos of Dee's parents? Like, I feel like we never got photos. I think we might have gotten brief ones, I feel like, during her flashbacks and stuff, but I don't remember them very well. And by the way, that's another great moment from live reunion shows, running off stage and hugging your family. That's like one of the best, especially the D story. I wanted to see the newly retired mom and dad. Like, show them to me. Where's the after action content? Like, I somebody give D a big check that she gets to present to her mom and dad to retire them. Well, it's a good point. You know, props to Dalton. He has the idea that in addition to doing this immediate after show, they should still do a live reunion. Throw it on Paramount Plus. You can't watch it on CBS. You have to have Paramount Paramount Plus. Watch the subscriptions roll in from all the Survivor super fans, and we can get both. We can get both. I would, I would, I would donate to like Jeff Probst Patreon to make this sort of bonus content happen. You know, I think they're they're leaving some great. That's the thing about Survivor. Like, as great as it is, they do leave a lot of potential content on the table, from Ponderosa to live reunions to all of the incredible footage they must have that we never get to see. So I just wish there were more outlets where they could share this stuff with us. Expand the social media team's budget. Do you hear me? Give them more money and more power. (laughs) Let them run. More money. (laughs) More money. Yes. Well, Kayla, you know, we're getting to the conclusion of our coverage here. Uh, Wanted to talk a little bit about a fun little project we had going in the background that I don't think we've ever discussed on air, which is that (laughs) after episode one, we both secretly wrote down who our prediction was to win the entire game. So obviously this is much earlier than our post-merge rankings. Um, so Kayla, tell the fans, who, who, after episode one, who was your pick to win Survivor? Oh, yep, I have it right here. My pick was Brando Meyer, everybody, who I think was one of I our earliest eliminations. <laughs> yeah. 22-year-old from there. Seattle, Washington. Yeah, <laughs> Software developer. The... I thought it was the Carson effect. I thought we could carry that forward. It was the spirit of we Carson, could not. yes. 
No, no, not quite. Um, my pick after episode one was Katura. Um, Ooh. I just, yeah, and it was based on her. There were three. There are three lawyers. You had Julie, Jake, and Katura, and Katura was the only one who kept her profession a secret. So I was liking the combination of smarts and skills that got her into that job, while also the social savviness to, you know, withdraw knowledge of that job from everyone else. But alas, she only made it to the final four. So I feel like I should get some credit, but yeah, I wouldn't say that that worked out. All right, folks, um, we are going to do a segment of Survivors on the Move, even though we already have a winner, just a little bit different. Kayla, this week I wanted to revisit our conversation on this season, which we brought up during the in- on the instant take. Now, I know you haven't watched every season of Survivor. I haven't watched every season of Survivor. I'm missing probably a couple. Um, But where do you feel like this season after finale stacks up in your rankings? Like maybe give us like a percentile among the seasons of Survivor you've watched. I'm not going to give a percentile because I don't feel Okay, in your own words. (laughs) A letter grade out of 10. (laughs) Thank you. Please don't get me caught up in the quick maths on air. You can hold up, hold up, hold up whatever amount of fingers you want. Thank you so much. Um, I think I'll say two things. One, I'll repeat of the new era. This is far and away the best season. They finally found their footing and should use this as a model going forward. Um, I think of all the seasons, I'll definitely rank this in the bottom third. Like, okay. we got a lot of drama. We've hit, we're hitting all the buckets. I felt the challenges were exciting, had the right amount of, like, the challenges were exciting. They had the right amount of physicality involved, not too puzzle heavy, which I feel like in the earlier seasons of the new era, I was like, these puzzles are very elaborate and, like, honestly, I'm kind of bored. Um, we have a little show romance. We have a little bit of the survival element that we could use more. Nothing for me will ever be the seasons of Survivor. I call them the square seasons where it was still filmed in like the 180 by 180 and so on widescreen TVs. They have to black out the sides. Those will forever be the best seasons, but they're also colored by nostalgia. What about you, yeah. Isaac? Um, I think one of the biggest questions, I'm trying to think if I agree with your take of this being the best season of the new era. The only one it's competing with in my mind is the prior season 44 and Carolyn and Jam Jam are just such standout characters. I don't think if I had to look at the whole cast of Survivor 44 and 45, I think Carolyn, Jam Jam and Jake would be my top three. Yeah, I, I, I'll stick with that. I think I think it would be those three. And I think that we had some more interesting strategy this season, but the casting was a little bit stronger. This season obviously started off with some blunders with all the quits that we were getting. To me, they're like neck and neck. Like it's almost too hard to declare a winner. What I will say is this was the premiere of 90-minute episodes of Survivor. And I'm a big We need fan. these. Huge fan. <laughs> like, they did these episodes were well paced. I thought they maintained momentum. I thought we had more room for creative production-y type things. Um, I think the true test in some ways will be next season because they did not know when they filmed that season whether or not they were going to have 60 or 90 minute episodes of Survivor, whereas this season they had that foreknowledge. And it means things like I don't know if they'll be ha- felt feel like they could be as creative with all their idle shenanigans because there were like three-step idle finding scenarios that I found really compelling this season. If they're worried that they might only get 60 minutes to tell a story, I don't know if they're going to set up those types of gauntlets. So we'll see if it stays true, but 90-minute Survivor episodes was was huge and I thought really well executed and props to the show because it's been 60 minutes for 21 years and they adapted and they did really well in these longer form episodes. Cut off Family Feud and give their time slot <laughs> to Jeff Probst. There you go. Um, all right. So why don't we wrap up our points update? Uh, Kayla won. That's it. That's, That's it. I, I don't even need to go deeper. I win. <laughs> I am the winner. <laughs> yep. That's it. So to reiterate, Kayla correctly predicted two of the final three and actually nailed it with Jake coming third and Austin coming second. And she also picked 
correctly picked four of the final five, just Kendra, uh, who was her sole survivor pick, was incorrect. Um, I really lagged behind the entire season. Um, Kayla had a lead from the very first episode of the post-merge era, and she never relinquished it, only widened it, in fact. So she wins by a margin of 28 to 17, which means I have to read a little book that Jeff Probst wrote for young adults about something about an island and surviving <laughs> on it. Like he stuck to his wheelhouse with this plot, um, if, except they're kids. So it's a fun little twist on Survivor. Uh, and I'll have a book report, I'm sure, that I'll owe to Kayla and to the listeners when we return next season. But speaking of next season, Kayla, did you get a chance to view the little sneak peek of Survivor Season 46? I did watch I the sneak peek of Survivor yeah. Season 46. What'd you think? It was fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think it gave me much. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think, like, I don't know how much you can get from these trailers. You get an initial sense of the personalities of the cast, but they're always showing the cast at like the peak of their energy and vim and vigor and moxie. And, you know, so like they, they were giving us the height of the personality. So you can't take too much from that. Interesting that they mixed in a little audition footage. I kind of thought that was fun. I hate that. Why, why do you hate that? (laughs) It's giving very much COVID 2020 when like everything was the webcam. And I was like, we need to move away. We need to stop doing this with TV. I don't need to see people in their home offices, like filming their survivor takes. I don't want it. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll see. I think um, the last trailer that really got me excited for a season of Survivor was for 44. They showed, remember that guy like falling off the rock and injuring himself. I think Jam Jam and Carolyn there were sort of jumping off the screen with the height of their personality. So this didn't achieve that height. But again, these trailers, you just never know. We could be heading into one of the best or one of the worst seasons of Survivor and the trailer is never enough information from which to claim. So yeah, you know, we're excited. And by the way, folks, this is the short break between Survivor seasons. There's always a long break and a short break. This season is going to premiere in February. So have your holiday fun, survive a month of winter in January, and Survivor will be right back in your living room. We're back! Yeah, don't <laughs> wait. And, and, and we'll be back. We'll be back. We, we finished season two, and Kayla, this is impromptu. I didn't plan this, but any reflections on the podcast second season here? How did we do? I think we did a great job. I'm never going to say we didn't do a great job because this is for fun and gigs. Every, oh my God, my neighbor has the cutest dog ever. Isaac, you'll have to, Isaac, you'll have to edit this out the pod. Um, I'm going to say we always did a great job. We're here for laughs. Every time we log off, we get those said laughs. We try stuff that's new. Isaac tries new production things. We tried launching a TikTok that didn't work because now this is a remote podcast. But (laughs) next season, we're going to try using this funky little video feature. So y'all might actually get more content and we might actually announce that we have a TikTok account on this pod. But if you're one of our top fans, you should be able to, uh, to find it. But I always think we did a wonderful job because we are amazing and love doing it. Fans, I don't want to hear any alternate takes. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have put it better myself. As you know, our philosophy is to try to improve just a little bit each season. So we maintain this as a fun little hobby that doesn't take over our lives. But we're also adding uh, a little bit of a higher bar in quality. So next season, maybe you can even, I'm just going to manifest this. Microphones? Maybe microphones. Maybe I knew you were going to say that. I was like, I was just going to be like, maybe Kayla will get a microphone. No, 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 no. I'm going to say, no, not just you. Me me too. Me too. Because if one of us has a microphone, then there's still going to be an imbalance. So we're going to get microphones. Let's just make it happen. I think we can do it. Uh, but Kayla, before we wrap up, you had a little note here. Survivor 50 look ahead. What is this? We're getting so close to Survivor 50 yeah. where... I think Jeff has been making so many calls for castings because I think they're having people in their back pocket for Survivor Season 50. I don't oh. think it's for the immediate next seasons. I think they're trying to like really eat down on this casting for Survivor 50. Um, and I just wanted to see if you have any little predictions. I hate to make it more of a like Hunger Games style. Do we think we'll go double the castaways? Do we think we'll finally leave Fiji for a return of another location? Like, What twists and turns could you predict? Well, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of questions. Sometimes for the big numbers, they do returning players. And it, 
you know, it's been a while since we had a returning player season. I am kind of starting to feel ready for it. I like that the balance is definitely towards having new people each time, but you throw in those new ones and it always just means that from episode one, you have the fun of already having baseline understandings of everyone's personality. And so Survivor, which sometimes takes a little while to get off the ground, feels like it sort of gets ready much quicker. So that's definitely on the table. I think you got to say it. I mean, it's sad. Jeff's last season, question mark? I mean, no! that'll be be 25 years and 50 seasons of Survivor. That's, you've got to be wondering if like Jeff is going to snuff his own torch at the finale or something. And I will cry. I will cry. (laughs) Morbid. Just to be clear. Yeah, I will cry. What about you? Any predictions? I would love a returning cast member season. That could be fun. I also could do a like, returning jury member like something where it's like maybe you're on the jury but you come back like if you they had this one time where you could like re-challenge yourself into oh, the game redemption um, island and i'm like yeah yes redemption island and i was like all right we could do a little something with that that could be fun we could do like heavy on the survivor where it's like all of our challenges are like more survival oriented <laughs> Like, you just kind of bearing with the elements. They won't do that because where the puzzle masters do with their time between now and then. Um, but I think we have a lot of options, and I'm excited to see this cast because I think all Jeff's wonky calls this season are so that we can have an absolute fire Survivor season 50. Yeah, you could be right. This could like this new era so far could just be sort of the laboratory for an epic season 50 where they bring all the learnings together. That'll be a fun milestone indeed. Um, well, folks, thanks for tuning in this season. You know, a little sort of progress report on the podcast. We have surpassed 1,000 downloads. We have more than 1,500 streams. Um, so, you know, there's five of you out there for whom Outwit Out Play Out Pod is your favorite podcast, which is my favorite stat. Um, and I'm not one of those, by the way. <laughs> I do listen to our podcast. Me neither. Number two. <laughs> yeah, Kayla isn't either. So those are actually human beings who live lives apart from us and are not just the people who put this out in the air and listen to themselves. Um, so thanks. Thanks, folks. Thanks for tuning in. And we have fun with it. And we're going to continue to have fun with it next season. So that is all from us this week and this season. If you want to share any fire takes you had from the finale, we will read those. We will enjoy them. Shoot us an email at outwitoutplayoutpod at gmail.com. Uh, and if you're enjoying our show, continue to spread the word. Tell a friend about us. Rate us on your favorite podcasting app if you haven't before. With a little retrospective on the season, five stars only. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. We will be back next season to talk about Survivor Season 46. But until then, Kayla, the tribe has spoken. And so have we. Have we.